Thank you for tuning into the Walk in Truth Radio Network broadcast. Grab your Bible, get settled, and let's walk through the Word of God together. Let us now reason together and listen to see what God is saying to us today. what I've been teaching out of Philippians. So get your Bibles, go to Philippians chapter three, Philippians chapter three. So since I've been teaching on this, this we should have a pretty good, decent discussion on this. Um, again, Philippians is, is, is Paul's personal testimony on what happened to him after the road of Damascus. So you got the road of Damascus story, but then you have the internal things that were happening to Paul, where Paul, at the point of knowing Jesus, what he had in the plus column, he put in the minus column. He put his, what did he have in the plus column? Does anybody remember? What did he, what did he have confidence in? His what? No. What did he have confidence in? You talking about before? Before, yeah. Himself. Okay, come on. He had confidence I, in himself. I, come on. I gave y'all, I talked about this for four weeks. See, this is what I mean. This is what I mean, y'all. Y'all got to pay attention. <laughs> okay. He had confidence in the fact that he was a Pharisee. He had confidence in the fact that he was a Jew. He had confidence in the fact that he had power, prestige, all of that. He had confidence in his flesh. It was him, but you got to be more specific. You got to be, you got to, you got to tell the people, what did he have confidence in? So you can know that you can have confidence in the stuff that you achieved. He had confidence in his achievements. Okay. He thought that his achievements taught by the law would give him a special place with God. But the Bible tells us by the law, no person is justified. No person is righteous. Paul wrote that because he understood after he met Jesus at the road of Damascus, that there was something more than actually practicing the religion. No religious ritual makes you right before God. I'm going to say that again. No religious ritual makes you right before God. So if that's the case, even when we do communion, communion don't make you right. Just because you take communion. You see what I'm saying? Any outward expression don't make you right because anybody can manifest an outward expression, right? The, the rankest devil can come take communion, couldn't they? Yeah. What they're what they scared of? It's just bread and, 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 and wine. But you get to thinking that it does something. It does, doesn't anything because if you have a unsaved heart and you just churched, you'll take communion and you'll take it at your own risk. You got to get in your mind. Nothing that we do outwardly, if it's not motivated by the right thing, it does not give you righteousness before God. Okay? So when Paul, that was in Paul's plus column. But then we said, Paul said, we, he had, in verse number three, read Philippians uh, three, verse three, uh, uh, minister. I don't care what version you got. Read three, verse three. Philippians three, verse three. 
Chapter 3, verse 3. Philippians 3, verse 3. It says, For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Is that Philippians 3? No, I said. I have, I don't have my Bible. I have somebody else. Okay, Philippians 3, verse 3. But it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh. So our boasting is where? In Christ Jesus. And Paul had learned to not put no confidence in what? His flesh, which is his achievements which is who he was born to. You know, some people brag on who they born and born, what family they born into. Mm -hmm. I'm a Kennedy. I'm a Jones. I'm a Sutton. Yeah, that's good for man, but that don't mean nothing to God. God don't care about nothing. But God says he has no partiality. Okay? He don't show favor to who you're born into. He shows favor who you've been saved by and now newborn into. It's only in Christ Jesus that he pays attention. Out of Christ Jesus, you're a sinner. So Paul learned, even though he had all the religious credentials, all the religious rights due to the law, he said that he has no confidence in it. Okay? Read verse 4. Verse 4. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Now he's about to state all the read what I just told you. Now, we're not going to read that. But he's about to state he was born a Hebrew, circumcised on the eighth day, uh, a Pharisee of Pharisees. Uh, as far as according to the law, he, was, he knew the law. And according to the church, he persecuted the church. So in his eyes, his religious practices, his religious knowledge, his achievements made him perfect. But he wasn't. Okay. When he met Jesus, you go down further, he talk, now talks about he counted all as loss. He counts it all as rubbish to, to have the surpassing knowledge of Jesus Christ. So we have this situation where what I counted on in the flesh before becomes useless when I meet Jesus. Now, can Jesus use the things that he counted on in the flesh? Of course he can, because he did. He didn't throw away his education. He didn't, he didn't throw away his knowledge. He didn't know, throw away his ability to speak 13 languages. Now God used them so he could start churches in other countries. Okay? So no, you're not supposed to throw it away. What you don't do is use it to say, God, look at me. I, got a, I can have a relationship with you because of my, my, my worldly achievements. Okay? Everything we need is in Christ Jesus. Okay? So Paul is understanding to know the surpassing knowledge of Jesus. That's what's the most important thing. And that should be your thought. Everything I got in comparison to knowing Jesus is rubbish. My house, my car, everything, my job, what I think about myself, that's rubbish. Because Jesus is the humbling factor. When you run into holiness, you can't compare that to anything else. And that's why a lot of people, what they do is compromise and try to make Jesus like them and lower the standard. The standard has always been holiness. The standard would always be holiness. And the only way for us to achieve holiness is not in this lifetime, but to run towards, as we talked about it, by grace through faith, that we're being conformed to his image. 
The motive and the prize are the same. The motive and the prize are the same. The motive is, is, is to be like Christ and the prize is being like Christ. And that's why we run. We don't run for praise. We don't run for people to notice us. We don't run for, for, for the sake of the gospel. We run because the running through the gospel in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit conforms us into his image and we get conformed to his image by what? How do we conform to his image? What is the mechanism by God uses to conform us into his image? First Peter, what? Suffering. Y'all got to get this. Y'all really got to get this. Suffering is the mechanism by which God uses to conform us. Because if we kept reading, we we're going to share in his what? In his sufferings. So if we're going to share in his sufferings, the sufferings have a purpose. That's why we started the year with learning how to do what? Suffer well. Because the suffering well is what builds your character to carry your gift. You can't carry the gift by good things happening to you. Good things going to happen to you, but you learn in your suffering. That's why he said, strain, I press. That's a suffering. I, I have to press towards the mark of the high calling. I'm just not going to do it because it's there. I have to make a decision, make up in my mind, no matter what, we, what I'm going to do, I'm going to press on towards the high mark. Okay? So let's go down to verse 10. Let's go down to verse 10. Mother, read verse 10. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. So now in verse 10 it says that I may what? Know him. And how am I going to know him? What? Through the power of what? Of his resurrection. What happens to us when we participate, when, when God resurrects us from the dead, we become what? New what? Creatures. New creatures. So the power of the resurrection is your new creatureship. If that ain't, that's not a word, but that's going to be a word today. That's, you're, you're a new creature in Christ. That's the power of the resurrection. You take a person who's dead in their sins and trespasses, you, you give them the gospel, and then all of a sudden, God comes and, and invades their life, takes the blindness off their eye, give them a new heart, give them a new purpose, and then they become a new creature in Christ. So that's enough, if you would think on the surface, to make you keep running. Because something radical has happened to you that's never happened to you before. Okay? You're a new creature. What does new creature mean? What are one of the signs of a new creature in Christ? Okay, that's 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 not a sign, that's something that we do. What is a sign that we're a new creature? Give me one. We don't we don't do the things that we used to. We don't do some of the things we used to. And what else? Anything else? Is it just about not doing stuff? Living right? Is it just about living right? I'm, I'm, I'm asking. I'm asking you because this you the one said you say. We accept, we accept Christ more into our life. You accept Christ more into your life. His ways, being you know, using the of the Spirit. More like Him. So the sign is numerous, but you have to decide. Each one of you have to decide what those are and how it affects you in your day to day life. Living like Him takes me to realize the way I was living wasn't right, right? right, right. I have to weigh, like Paul did, I weighed the way I lived before God, I, 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 I now weigh where I live with Jesus, and now I'm a new creature. So my new creature looks back at my old life and say, hmm, that wasn't right. That wasn't the way to go. But, but, but I still don't necessarily know the right way to go. 
So where do we learn how? what's the right way to go? Through the word of God. Under the power of the Holy Spirit. So we learn the power of the resurrection in our now we're walking with Christ and we're going to eventually we're walking with Christ, walking through our sanctification with Christ, him conforming us into his image through the means of what? No, I just told you. Begins with S. Through suffering. Everything we get is through the means of suffering. The Holy Spirit gives us the strength to what? Endure it. Remember when the Bible where it says in Timothy, endure hardness as a good soldier? That's what you're enduring. You're enduring the suffering. You, God is saying, I, my suffering was so great that the suffering that you're going to do is be small in comparison to me because of the glory that you're going to achieve. That's what the Bible say. Your little sufferings ain't nothing compared to what God went through for you. And the way you learn, let me tell you how you learn to suffer well. Always look at what Jesus did. That's all you got to do. When you think so, you so bad and everything going wrong in your life, you got the bad medical report. You got the bad financial report. You got the bad children's report. You got the bad church report. You got bad news all the way around. Just think about Jesus and all that he's done for you so that you can endure the bad things of the natural world. Who is our battle with? The world, the flesh, and the devil. You conquer the world through the word of God. You conquer the flesh through the word of God. And you conquer the devil through the word of God. That's how you do that. That's how you conquer. Okay? That's how you conquer. We in Philippians chapter 3. Okay? So that's how you conquer. All right? So, uh, Joyce, read verse 11. That I may know him and the power of the resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made formidable unto his death. That's 10. Read 11. Oh. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Okay. So he said, by any means, 10 and 11 goes together. That I may attain the resurrection by any means. That means whatever God requires, I'm willing to do. So I can have his power. So I can walk in the newness of life. Okay? By any means. And the means is through suffering. And the power is through the Holy Spirit that helps us. The word teaches us and gives us instruction on how to handle life. This book is about life. And having life what? More abundantly. Okay? Verse 12. I'm going to read that. Not that I have already obtained this what is this? The, the power, the resurrection, everything that it offers. Not that I've already attained this or am I what? Already what? Perfect. But I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. So what Paul is saying in all that I have obtained, I realize there's more to obtain. So when you look at me and you see the fruit of the spirit in me, you see the fruit of God's labor through me. You see the masterpiece in motion, as Karen talked about the other day. Don't think that I made it. Look at me continually as a work in progress. And what you don't do, 
is think about the work in progress compared to somebody else. Wherever I am, wherever you are, we're still being worked on by who? The master, by Jesus. We're still being worked on by Jesus. And if we're still being worked on by Jesus, I can't look at you and say, you're not where you God wants you to be. You know what I'm saying? I can't look at you and you and say, because you're not where I am, you're not at my maturity level or my expertise level. You're not where God wants you to be. You are right where God wants you to be. You are right where God wants you to be. And the key to being where God wants you to be is be content in the fact that he has you. You have to have confidence, not in the flesh, but in him. That he's doing what he said he's going to do. He said you are his workman. You are his workmanship. You are his masterpiece. So he's doing the work. And Paul is saying, don't look at what I'm achieving that may be good and godly as signs that I am perfect, complete yet. That word perfect is twofold, complete and mature. We are maturing and we're becoming perfected. God is trying to complete us. Okay. That's what's going on. All right. God is trying to complete us. All right. So when we think of that, we think of, uh, he said we buy his own because Christ Jesus has made us his own. Again, it's through the purchase of us through his blood that we can achieve. But outside of Christ, I can't. Inside of Christ, I can and I will. Not because I will, but because he wills it for me. God is going to complete every good work that he starts. You don't have to worry about him completing it. But then you say, well, what's the point of us you know, telling people they're wrong, they're right, and this, that, and the other. It's to, as brothers and sisters, it's our obligation to, when we see a brother or sister caught in the fault, tell them about it, but then restore them, meaning that put them on the right path. Not by being so high-minded, by identifying with it. Wouldn't it better if I say to you, identify it like this. I come at you, you do something wrong, and I say, Sister Curly, you know better, da 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 you're going to brush back, right? You're going to be like, hey, 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 what's going on? Even if I catch you. And then, then you might say something to justify what you're doing. You might say this, the, 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 the saying of the, the saint that's trying to justify their justify sin. What is, I told y'all a couple of them. What's one of them? That, what does the saint say that's in the scripture to try to justify what they're doing? The Lord knows my heart. That's one. God working on me. That's two. I'm a work in progress. That's three. That's y'all give me more than I, than I thought y'all knew. And we all fall short of the glory of God. So before I go there with Carolyn and get that kind of response from her, what if I see what she's doing? Say, Carolyn, you know what I... I used to do this and I used to do that. And the same thing you're doing, I used to do. And I'm still struggling with it. Wouldn't you be more likely to receive what I'm about to say if I identify with what you're doing? Right. Yep. And versus pounding you over the head. Right. Like I ain't never done nothing. Even if I ain't done your particular, I understand sin. I understand sin. And I don't want my sisters and brothers to be pulled away by their own sin. So I jump in the, in the same boat with you that I never left. Just because I'm past, I say, look, I'm struggling just like you. Every day. We all are struggling every day. 
And since we're struggling every day, let's grab hands and see if we can get back on track. Let's pray about it. Let's see if we can get back on track. Let's read the Bible together and see if we can get back on track. Let's seek the wisdom of God because he said if we ask for it, he'll give it to us. But if we come at the person with holier than thou and I got a title and you don't and, and this, that, and the other, you push back like, who are you? Because you already know I'm not perfect. Paul just said he ain't perfect. So then why do we even pretend? Because we like to think of more of ourselves than what? We should. The Bible warns us of that, okay? Thanks. The Bible warns us of that. So identify. Hey, everybody's room. We were young once too. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. You know, but I mean, we made dumb decisions based upon our youth. That's what I mean. You know, so age has nothing to do with making smart decisions. Only thing where you're going to make a smart decision is to yield to the power of the Holy Spirit, which makes no bad decisions. Okay. Verse 13. Brothers, I do not what? Consider that I have what? Made it my own. But one thing I do. Forgetting. What is behind and I strain or press forward to what lies ahead. Now I don't want to stop like this. Stop right there. There's a level that he's saying that today is only important. What each one of you do you did yesterday because you drew breath today, it becomes irrelevant. Because whatever you did yesterday that you need forgiveness from, he did it. Whatever yesterday you needed mercy from, he gave it. He died for this ongoing uh, a stream of grace and mercy that's in your life. So he said, forgetting what's behind. Now, we always talk about the negative stuff. But you need to forget the positive stuff, too. Because you can hang on to something that's positive for so long, that's your yesterday testimony, that it becomes worthless today. Again, I get why you do it because you don't really, I, again, and I mean this in a very serious way. The reason why you don't have a better testimony because you're not tuning in to God on a daily basis. You got the same old dry testimony. He woke me up this morning. That's great. We all here. I love. Great. Give me some, let me, let me, let me tell you. I'm going to use myself for example. What has God did for me today? Or what did God do for me yesterday that I can give him glory today? Well, did God let me talk to my daughter? My daughter going through some issues. Please pray for her. Okay? Please pray for her. But see, I trust God enough to know that, that the fact that my daughter is talking to me is a blessing within itself. Amen. The fact that my daughter trusts me with her problems is a blessing with itself. Because I remember when there was a time when she didn't trust me with anything. But when she said, Dad, let me get your opinion. God get the glory for that. Because what she see is the change. She can come to me because she see the change. Okay? And all I'm saying is, I got a new testimony today. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. I got a new testimony today. I took my shot yesterday. I don't have no, I don't have any uh, side effects. I got a new testimony today. Amen. You know, I'm able to help out people as I choose. I got a new testimony today. Amen. So this is what I'm saying, church. We have to get so in tune with the blessings of God and our mundane stuff. Like what I just said might mean, mean nothing to you because you're always looking for the wham, bam, stars in the sky, the star-spangled banner blessing. But God works in the mundane, the day-to-day -day life of the saint. 
And Paul is saying, I'm not perfect yet. I'm still a work in progress. And that and that I strain towards this mark. I run. I don't I don't I forget what's behind. Good, bad, and ugly. I forget because today's a new day. And that day's in front of you, not behind you. Each second that ticks is a is, is a chance for me to go forward if I draw breath. Okay? So I forget what's behind. Now, do I forget like I don't remember? No. I forget. And I want you to get this. I want you to get this. I'm gonna say this again. Forgetting does in the Bible doesn't mean it's not in your memory. Forgetting in the Bible means that what happened yesterday, if it's not godly, doesn't impact you today. I'll say it again. Forgetting is not that it disappears from your thoughts. Because let's be honest, that don't work, do it? Let's be honest. Just like forgetting altogether, like it never happened. No, 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 no. That don't happen. That's not real. So it has to mean something different from that because we, everybody's room lived long enough to know that don't happen like that. What forgetting is, is whatever happened yesterday, if it doesn't propel me to run forward, I leave it alone. If it causes me to stay stuck in yesterday, then I need to leave it alone, don't I? Whether it's a good thing that happened or a bad thing that happened. You see what I'm saying? Because now I need to go forward, forgetting what's behind, allowing what happened yesterday to have such an impact on me, I can't go forward. I'm always looking in the rearview mirror versus looking ahead. You can't run a race backwards. Let me know how that worked for you. Races are always forward. Ball movement is always forward. The game is always in front of you. So what we want to do is understand the things we go through, the suffering we go through is the past. But how are you going to use that suffering not to dwell on it, but to move forward? Well, how do you use it? I survived. I don't smell like what I went through. Who didn't smell like what they went through? Who, what, who, what in the Bible? What person, what people in the Bible didn't smell like what they went through? No? No? Didn't smell like what they went through. What about the boys that were thrown in the fire? The Bible says, the Bible says they didn't even smell like smoke. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He said they were thrown in this big old raging fire, but when they come out, they didn't smell like smoke. They didn't smell like they was at a barbecue, and the barbecue was them. But see, this is what this is what you do when you can learn how to forget what's behind because you look better than what you went through. When, when, when my daughter my daughter said something to me the other day, she said, Dad, how do you survive and thrive? I said, Because I because I know God. That's the key. There was a time where I was thriving, but I didn't know God, so I wasn't doing nothing for real. I was like Paul, I had confidence in my flesh. But when I met Jesus, I said, oh, that's what I need to have confidence in. And then he said, because you have confidence in me, I'm going to show you that I'm going to work on you and conform you to my image. And I'm like, how can you do that to a sinner like me? He said, watch. You just submit to me. And I'll show you how I'm going to change you. Yeah, when you leave the penitentiary, you don't know what's out here, but I do. But guess what? You the person I chose. But they ain't going to listen to me, Lord. He said, don't worry about that. He said, there's a group of people out here that will hear the word of the Lord coming out of your mouth that will receive you no matter what and happen because they see the newness of life in you. The rest is history. <laughs> so there's nothing to brag about the past. 
but it's the past that I went through that got me here. And I can't take one bad moment or good moment away to say, if I didn't fall into that trap, if I didn't do this, and I, I could have been a better person. No, you were, you, that God had his hand on you then. Everything is in his plan. Your downfalls and your upward ticks. So I give God glory for seeing me through my downfall. See, I, I press on. I haven't made it my own. He's made me his own. So I'm identified positionally in Christ. My position is solid. Say your position is solid. But my conditions change. See, I can stop there, but I'm not. Okay. Uh, verse 14. Carolyn, can you, you got your glass. Can you read that? Verse 14. Mm-hmm. I press on towards, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the unward mm -hmm. call of God in Christ Jesus. So you press on towards the what? The prize the of the upward call. And where's the upper prize at? In Christ Jesus. So the, it's positioned in Christ. It's motivated by Christ. It's fueled by Christ. And it's going to be achieved through Christ. Jesus. That's how good he is. He got everything we need. He had everything you need. And as we submit to him. Like Paul is saying. I begin to have knowledge of the resurrection participate in my sanctification and begin to enjoy it. Not that you look for bad things to happen. Guarantee you live on this earth, it's gonna, something going to happen because of the fall of man. That part is not still here. He died. The penalty of sin is, is gone from us. The power of sin, other than what we choose to participate in, is gone from it having authority over our life. But sin is always present out here because that part of the, of the, of the, of the prophecy has not been fulfilled yet. He has to come back and make everything right. But first he had to get, get, a, get, the mystery was the body of Christ. The Jews thought it was just them. They didn't see the mystery of the body of Christ. All they thought was it was all about them. Ain't nobody, it about nobody else. Jesus came and did with the 12 disciples, which were Jews. Paul is a Jew, but Paul was given a unique ministry of the church being the body, Gentile or Jew. The mystery that was not given to none of the, none of the prophets of old. That's why we not, we're not worried about kingdom. I know you talk, you say that because that's what y'all know to say. You don't know why you're saying it, you say it. Okay, I get it. It's not a bad thing to say, but think about this. Is my head and my body connected? Come on. Yeah. Okay, y'all need to speak up. I mean, don't, don't, this is not a trick question, okay? Y'all look at me so tell like he's going to trick me. No, I'm not. My, my head and my body is connected. Let me ask you this. If I go downstairs... Don't my head and my body go? Yes. So if we the body of Christ, aren't we already in the kingdom? Yes. You ain't got to be a theologian for that one. You, you don't have to build a kingdom. You're going to already be in the kingdom. You need to get more people in the body. That's our job. Our job is to get people saved. Jesus will build his own kingdom. You need to get people saved. See, sometimes you get confused and be about this kingdom work and not the, the, the work that he told us to do. We need to get people saved during this time. He's going to come back and set everything right and build his kingdom. New earth, new all of that. 
We'll be a part of that, right? But we'll be a part of it because we're his body. Okay? So you already gained access. He ain't going to leave you home and go into the kingdom without his body. Amen. Okay. Verse 15, it says, let those of us who are what? Mature. Think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, what? God will be what? God will reveal it to you. That should make you relax. You know why? Why, why your past is so calm now? When y'all get it or don't get it, what did that scripture say? I pray that God gonna reveal it to you. And if he don't give it to you, I ain't got to worry about it. My job is to plant it, not to reveal it. One man plants, another waters, and God gives the increase. Neither the man who plants is anything on the water, but God who gives the increase. Like I keep trying to tell you, I told you this for several many years. We, be, we are proficient seed planters. As long as we're planting the right seed, which is the gospel of God, we can sit back and say, God reveal it to him. I don't have to work so hard when I know this is a you and God thing. My part is to teach. It's the Holy Spirit job to make you understand. My job is to continue to follow the word of God, line by line, verse by verse, not bounce all over the place. So that you can understand. And we and I'm not going to go into the other passages, but let's let's look at something. And then we're, we're going we're gonna to be done. Let's look at something. Go to uh, Sister K, go to Philippians 127, 127 through 30. Read that. Philippians 1, Philippians 1 27 through 30. Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Stop. It says when some things happen. It says, whatever happens, yeah. conduct yourself, what? Worthy of what? The gospel of the gospel. Okay, this is your pastor's understanding, so I hope, I hope to break that real down. It's self-explanatory, but I'm going to break it down to you. No matter what happens to you, understand who you belong to. Amen. And conduct yourself accordingly. Mm. Understand what's being done to you, in you, through you. For others, that when you're when you're given the opportunity to act worldly, you catch it and say, oh, devil, you ain't going to trick me. And flesh, you ain't going to trick me. And the world, you ain't got no hold on me. Look, I know what you're doing. Get behind me, world. Get behind me, flesh. Let me let me let me let me show at this moment the test that I'm being conformed to his image. I'm going to respond like I have learned to respond. Now, you can only respond to the light that you've given. Okay. So your response may not be my response, but the response will be like God. Because you can only respond to the light that you're given. So that's why that scripture that we read, God got to reveal it to you. God got to illuminate it for you. God got to open it up for you. And then once God opened it up for you, you're maturing. And you may answer the same problem in a different way, but it's God. You might answer it in a simplistic way. Like we, when I asked you that question, you said flesh. Well, well, again, I want you to be able down the line. Yes, flesh was right. That's our problem. But what about our flesh is the problem. You follow what I'm saying? You'll be more detailed. So your answers are never really wrong. They're just not developed fully. Because sometimes you don't think about them. And I get that because y'all doing stuff. I don't do half stuff y'all do. I mean, and I ain't talking about bad stuff. Y'all living a different life. I'm living a pastor's life. So I got time to sit. I got a table like this at home. With a big back chair 
And in the morning, I get my coffee. This is how I look, but worse. <coughs> I mean, I got all kind of stuff. And I sit there and I got the luxury to do this for you. But I don't expect you to necessarily get it every time it comes out of my mouth. I want you to grow into it. That's the point of putting it online. That's the point of putting it out. It's not to stroke my ego. It's to give you, if I, oh, look, I, I pastor said something, go to YouTube. There it is. All over again. Think about things. You know, read. Keep reading. That ain't, we ain't done with that passage. Go ahead. I just want to stop there for a second. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. So now he's saying striving. That's go. We talked about striving in the other cha in, the, in chapter three. Straining, striving, same thing. That you are working hard, running hard towards the goal. That in, you're 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 identifying with the one spirit, the one faith, the one baptism, and you're 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 running towards and motivated by Christ being conformed to His image. And you're only going to be tested at your level. Of maturity by sufferings and through problems and trials and tribulations and conflicts. You're going to have conflicts, saints of God. Every, I'm going to give you a secret. Everybody's not going to like you. And that's okay. Don't worry about that. Matter of fact, Jesus even said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. He said, and, and I, not, not, now, Brother Lester, I want you to think about this. Who hated Jesus the most, the Jews or the Gentiles? It was the Jews. So it was the people inside the church house that hated Jesus the most and said, crucify him, crucify him. So if it was back then that you were hated inside the body of the Jewish religion. Don't think that that don't happen inside the church. You know how you know your ministry is for real? When the people in church hate you. That's how you know the validation of your ministry. Where for no other apparent reason other than their ego and them not being like you, they hate you. You've done nothing to them. You tried to reason with them. You tried to go to them and, and see like and practice Matthew 18 and they still don't want to admit. But it's evident in how they act. Because they're not following what we just read. They're being motivated by their flesh and their ego and their ambition. I'm not called to be you. You're not called to be me, but we called to be together. So this is what we have to understand, saints of God. As we're running, there are going to be people that's running beside us, supposedly, that's their whole mission is to hold you back. And it's sad because it shouldn't be like that in the body of Christ. There's enough work for all of us to do. Yeah. Trust me. There's a whole world of souls to be saved. You, each individual in here, y'all got people that y'all can reach that I can't reach. That's why I teach you to be a seed planter. Yeah, you can bring them and let them listen to me, but they want to hear from you because your relationship is with them, not mine. So I teach you how to plant seeds. What kind of seed? The word of God. That's the only thing that's going to not come. What did it say? The word of God is not going to come back what? Void. So the only thing that you can plant that's worth, that's going to blossom is the word of God. But you got to stay running. You got to stay focused. And you got to look at yourself and examine yourself to make sure you're still in the faith and you're still running. Have you become stale? There is a possibility. It can happen to each one of us in this room that we can get so rested on what we have achieved 
what we went through, been in church all our life, that we no longer run for Christ. And therefore, we stop working. We stop running. Not We don't work to earn anything because he said he's going to give us prize bits when I work. But we work because he's done so much for us. And it could be the little things that you do. It doesn't have to be grandiose. Forgetting what's the behind you, press on towards the mark. You press on towards that high calling. What's the high calling? Can't get no higher than being conforming to Christ. You can't get no higher than that. But as saints of God, we got to learn to keep running. Don't, don't give up. Keep running. Keep going forward. Keep pressing. Don't let people tell you that you can't. Let God show that he got something different for you to do. Don't, don't, don't get caught up in the minor stuff. Look at the bigger picture. We want people to hear our broadcast. We want people to listen to us. Us. Not just me. Us. Y'all motivate people. They don't even see you. But they know you're there. Because I make sure to let people know it's about all of us. That's just not about me. Because without you, there is no me. There'd be no reason for me to be called a pastor if I didn't have y'all following me. What's the point? What's the point? What's the point of a pastor and there's no flock behind him? I mean, somebody tell me. It, it, it isn't a point. There is no point. What's the point of being a deacon and you not serving? Isn't that a deacon's job? It's useless. It's just a title. And sometimes in church, what we've done is make the title so important to achieve versus the work that required of it. It's the work that makes you a pastor. It's the work that makes you a deacon, not the reverse around. You don't become a deacon, then start to work. You start working, and then people will recognize and say, minister, pastor, deacon. You see what I'm saying? That's how it works. The work comes first, and the acknowledgement comes later. But, again, they're worried about the title. Because they're not running the right way. Remember we read the passage in Corinthians where they're shadow boxing, they're boxing in the air? Okay? Again, you could be in the church, you can know all the church functions, you can be a person who shows up every day and do something, but where's the love? Where's the sacrifice? Are you serving? Not just the people that you see, but are you serving anybody that calls himself a born-again believer? Are you willing to extend yourself to even born again of believers that you don't like for some reason or another of your flesh? But you got to do that because God did it for you. He didn't like you either. But he went to the cross for you. What's that, Pastor? How you, what you mean God didn't like me? He said you was his enemy. <laughs> he said you was his enemy. You once was his enemy. And now you his friend. Who made you his friend, Jesus? You didn't become friendly. He just loved you enough to be your savior. So we run. So let's pray. Oh, great Heavenly Father, I just thank you today. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the people that are in this class. Lord, bless them and keep them and always keep them running. Lord, look after them as they, we go our separate ways and enjoy this time with our families. Lord, until we see each other again, I ask that you cover us, protect us, and guard our mouths and our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. We worship at the Universal Church of Jesus Christ Building, located at 2301 Wallace Avenue Overland, Missouri 63114. Times of worship, 8.30 on Sunday, Bible study 11 a.m. and 7 p.m. on Tuesday. 
All are welcome and thank you for considering us as your place of worship.